0: and all the different things that we do. Please follow me on Instagram, which is Terry underscore Blackburn underscore property. Or on YouTube, my page is Terry Blackburn Property. <laughs> me myself, I've been from Rags to Riches, had nothing. Now I've built multiple businesses, turning over millions of pounds, <laughs> of a multi-million pound portfolio of property up in the northeast of england i am by no means done yet so please get in touch if you love the show you have any feedback for me i'd really appreciate that and i'm happy to help as many people as i possibly can that's what this show is all about so enjoy the episode take care have a fantastic day and don't just take notes take action just before the podcast starts i just wanted to let you know i've released a book on amazon called be a lion so Be A Lion is about how to dominate and how to be successful in every part of your life. The four main parts of your life being your business or your career, your property, empire, your property, business, uh, your health and fitness, and your relationships. Now, if you can be more successful in those four areas, business, property, health and fitness and relationships, i imagine your life's going to be quite a bit better. It's not one or the other. It's not sacrificing your health and fitness in order to be successful at work. And it's not being really, really wealthy, uh, you know, at the expense of your, your relationship. You can be happy, successful content in every single part of your life. And the book does explain how I do that and how I believe you could replicate what I've done and just be a little bit better in each part of your life. So it's on Amazon, be line. It's 15 quid, cost of a Domino's pizza, I'm sure. Everyone listening to this can afford 15 quid and it might just change you and it might just make you a little bit better in each part of your life. So pop on Amazon, grab it. That will be massively appreciated and enjoy this podcast. Have a fantastic day. Hi and welcome to the Rags to Richie show with myself, Terry Blackburn. Now today's guest is Danny Inman, who I'm sure most of you are aware of. He is a straight-talking realist from... He says North, but it's not kind of the North. Newcastle's <laughs> North. but He's, he's, he's from the, the Chelsea of the North, as he says, Warrington. Um, and I think Danny's got, you know, a real calm, informed, educated message that I think a lot of people need to hear. A lot of people are flapping, panicking at the moment with what's going on. And, and, and Danny's message is great that he often shares on social media. So we're just going to talk a little bit about that and what he thinks people can do, should do, what he's doing. So it'll be a a great episode, as always. So I'm looking forward to it. So thank you, Danny, for coming on again.
1: Thanks for having me, Terry. I'm definitely from the north. You're you're borderline (laughs) Scottish. We're
0: Scotland. (laughs) If you're in London, like anywhere past Birmingham's north. So... um, Depends who you speak to, doesn't it? <laughs> but um but yeah, Danny, th- thank you for coming on. Let like us say, mate, you know, um, I think your message is great and I think it's it's coming from someone who is very active still, who's got a good handle on what's going on. Um and yeah, I think we spoke off camera just just earlier about the amount of messages you're currently getting on people asking what should I do, what shouldn't I do, what when should I buy, what strategy should I use. I mean, what's your sort of view on, first of all, what's going on, and and what investors and developers should or shouldn't be doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many uh, variables in what's going on in the market at the minute. I'm a I'm an economic lover and quite a logical approach with a lot of the things that I do. I know you've you've had Adam on recently, Adam Lawrence. Yeah, yeah is probably someone who has a similar approach to their way of thinking of me and and probably the only other real party I've listened to on social media from what they've shared so uh, I'm sure a lot of your guys follow him already and I definitely recommend they do so um, and yes yeah, it's a similar in approach really I think you know I, I put a lot of stuff out there on social media we're very active and one of the things that I've consistently said since COVID broke and, and even now, because the, the similarities and the parallels in the response to a lot of the news is is absolutely uncanny from March, April 2020 to what people are doing now. Um, and it's weird that in the space of two years, we've not learned that much um is that panic is the worst thing you can do panic is a terrible strategy whether you're a business owner a property investor or whatever that whatever it is that you're doing panic you, you don't make great decisions when you panic you don't uh, take time to think through decisions when you're panicking you start to go down a bit of a spiral in your thought process if you allow pan- panic to set in but as a population and and more specifically towards in property It seems to be a very natural very quick knee-jerk reaction to bits of news that that are significant in their own way but then you know panic creates panic and you know people effectively we're all talking ourselves into trouble at the moment because of well I'm not going to buy because the market's knackered well as soon as everybody says they're not going to buy anymore that's going to knacker the market and it's kind of like you know, with the way that people are in our I, I say turkeys promoting christmas um that's how people are behaving at the moment is there's a response to we're really scared about this thing that's going to happen that you know as we progress we can talk you don't necessarily have to be too scared about it but we're so scared about it that we're going to talk about it so much and we're going to talk about it between ourselves and everybody's going to communicate that it's happening far in advance of it even happening and before you know it everybody's taught themselves into trouble so you know, first thing to do is just to step back and have a logical approach and listen to logical people, and that's not necessarily me, Adam, who, whoever you think is logical, people like Ray Dalio and other great people who make informed points but without emotion. There's no emotional driver behind it. It's it's informed and based on realities and, and real instances. You know, strip back from this whole scenario, it kicked off from a mini-budget, where the market reacted to a mini budget, where 99% of the things announced in the mini budget hadn't actually been implemented yet. Most of them are due to start April next year. even the markets reacted nine months in advance, terrified um, from an announcement on things that haven't necessarily happened. And then I think I posted at the time saying that there could be U-turns, the market could sell. There's lots of things that could happen between now and April. Exactly, yeah. Starting to panic on that day and letting that festering continue is probably the worst thing. <laughs> and that's kind of where we are now. We're in a position of people panicking, but not really understanding why they are, and then promoting between themselves for everybody to panic. Because as a country, we all feel better if everybody's in the same boat. So, you know, people are sharing stuff going, well, this is really bad. And then if 10 people comment, saying, yeah, it's really shit, it's terrible, blah, 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 this has happened to me, and blah, blah, blah then everybody's kind of comfortable in a in a collective <laughs> delirium so yeah it's a strange time isn't it it's it's interesting
0: it is and I think you spot on there with the panic thing like you, I, I think it's very difficult if not impossible to make a good decision when you're in a, a state of panic isn't it like if if you think back to any time you panicked and maybe he's in a a career you know situation or a situation at work a situation in your personal life with your partner with your friends whatever if you're panicking your heart rate you're in a state of delirium you mentioned that you, you're not thinking clearly are you and and yeah. if people are jumping in obviously I, i'm involved with mortgages and mortgage brokers you know r- coming out of a product to go on to a higher rate and taking a whack on a, a hit on an erc because yeah. you're panicking. If you actually think about it and just calm down a little bit, I think you you wouldn't make that decision. The people are making it, and, and you also said a knee jerk reaction. That that that's what it feels like. Um, for sure, and I think that that's a really really important message. And if you're listening, like, and if you are panicking a little bit, just have a cup of tea, or something, <laughs> chill out, <laughs> have a beer, and and I mean that leads us on. I've got quite a few questions, but that leads us on to. I was curious. To ask you, when you seen all this happen, did you have you kind of seen this before a little bit, or were you kind of just trying to take a bit of a step back and analyze what was going on? What was your immediate reaction when this kind of happened, and what did you start to think? Right, like, what's the way forward here? Yeah?
1: yeah, I mean. We've, we've seen it or we've all seen it. We all saw it very recently. We saw it April 2020 when everything shut yeah, down and everybody yeah. said, you know, Savills were coming out and doing 18% predictions drop in the market. Market was predicted to crash at that point. And the principal fundamentals of property are supply, demand and liquidity of finance. And when we went into COVID lockdown the first time, those three strong pillars were still all very strong. The banks were very liquid and they got made more liquid as a result of COVID. And supply of housing was low and demand was incredibly high. We're still in a position now where supply is low very low actually is most there's less sales i just saw today less sales going through um this summer than there was uh, last summer so you know the the available stock and that's because of available stock to to buy is actually still very low and people still want to buy them it's the liquidity of finance that has been a bit more challenged this time because because lenders have panicked they did panic. They panicked exactly the same at the start of COVID. Their lenders were pulling offers, development finance in the middle of finance. Lenders were saying, oh, no, you know, we're not going to be able to give you the next tranche. You couldn't um, do the
0: valuations. You had to stop the valuations as well. because COVID. The valuations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But
1: there, was, there was a six to eight week period there where there was mass panic and... For me, at this time, it happening again this time because of the challenge over liquidity of finance. I looked at it and I've looked at the same principles. They're slightly different pressures. I mean, lending and interest rates going up does put a different pressure today that wasn't there in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are other considerations to make there. Everybody's focusing on where the base rate is going to get to, as in what is the peak. And I've heard Adam talk about this. It's something we agree on massively. Is people focus on peaks, they don't focus on the duration of the peak. So yeah. if something flies up to five percent, six percent, but then drops very quickly to two and a half, three, four, then that's okay. You know, that's not. You've got a smaller period of time. You've got a challenge where it does peak. But what will happen is people will focus on that peak of six percent and go. That's it. Lending's going to be seven, eight, nine, ten percent now. Who's going to buy? Market's going to crash. Da da da. I know where you go. And and the same was, you know, same thing was being talked about with inflation, whereas now we're saying inflation's peaked. Everybody was saying inflation's gonna to get to 14%. And because people don't have the ability to think beyond the peak, they then consider that the peak is gonna be forever and that's it now. And inflation's at 14% forever, and interest rates are gonna be at 8% forever, and that's yeah. where we are, and that's the market, and it's knackered and property is knackered. And you know it, during these periods of uncertainty. They generally settle down fairly quickly. Uh, You know, growth is gradual. Challenges are generally quite short and the recovery is often quite quick. So I think that that's something that people need to consider. I, uh, I looked at some of the stock that we, you know, we were buying in 2010, 11, 12, And, you know, that's been through six month rule, that's been through increased mortgage uh, legislation, increased tenancy legislation, Brexit, which was apparently going to crash the market, COVID, which was going to crash the market. And now we're here today and going to crash the market. And when the correction happens, because it is a natural part of the housing cycle, following quick growth, there has to be somewhat of a correction. It's never as big as the growth and it's always relatively small proportionally. When that happens, the correction will be still at levels far in excess of what we were buying in in the years previous. So, you know, the relativity is important, and I think people lose that a lot. They lose a lot of relativity, and, and we've talked about this at length. I think we even talked about it on our last uh, sort of uh, podcast that we did together. Was that the people people focus on a ten percent fall in the market and call it a crash? When actually it's, you know, you took a screenshot over the last five years, it would actually be a 20, 25 percent gain, even allowing for the 10 percent crash. So shortism, short termism, sorry, is a challenge for people in the market as well, I think. And I think that's something that that you've got to get uh, beyond a little bit. Because people will judge from peak to bottom, and they you know they miss everything that's gone before the peak, and they miss everything that comes very quickly after the bottom as well. They just focus on that little period, don't they? So, um, yeah, we we've been here very very recently. So I think for me, it was much easier this time than than 2020. It was much easier than Brexit. Um, Close 24. That was another thing that was introduced that was going to destroy the market. They have temporary impacts, and then the market finds its feet again just by the nature of, of housing and economy and GDP and all of that. They naturally start to trend towards a certain place after periods of growth and periods of, of correction.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, no, I love that. Again, looking a bit longer term instead of this short term and look, looking too short term, I think. Maybe it's a little bit easier for people who've got experience like yourself to do that. Some of the newbies in the property might... And might never have experienced this They might have only bought the bought the first couple of battlets since 2020 yeah or you know not 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 long before that so um yeah speak to people who are more experienced and they are typically calmer right everyone i yeah. speak to who's been doing it quite some time is pretty calm right now they're just saying well you know things like this bring opportunities and that's kind of the way they're looking at it um so, so that, that that's that's a good point. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I also want to ask people will probably be asking you because they're asking me, what's a good strategy right now? What could yeah. I be doing right now? Where are the opportunities? What's your sort of view on that? It's obviously a complete crystal ball, but what is what is your view on that? What's good and where the opportunities are currently in sort of in the not too distant future?
1: I mean, ultimately, it's all going to be driven by numbers, isn't it? And we're we're a uh... We're a strange breed as investors. You you kind of hit the nail on the head there. We're all worried about a correction and, you know, correction, crash, whatever people want to call it. But then we're all adversely aware that we're worried that we've really struggled to get deals for the last two years because the market's been so hot; it's so hard to find stock. So you know, you sit there and go, "Well, what what is the opportunity?" Depends on what actually happens in the market. I, I have yeah. my own opinion on what I think is going to happen, and I'm you know, I get I get called an optimist quite a bit. And and uh, you know, in our industry and in the education world, a lot of people try and sell on the negative and on doomsday and they'll say the world's ending and, and all of that whereas I'm a little bit more you know it's never really tickled me to listen to people going you're on you're all fucked," but here's the greatest opportunity don't waste it and you kind of go well you know that, that that's never sat right because it's an over exaggeration it's never as good as they say or never as bad as they say it's always somewhere in the middle um so what what I think is the best strategy will depend upon what happens in the market what we're doing right now and what the the principal strategies that we we still believe in um is bottom end of the market is again we've kind of gone full circle bread and butter buy to let stock that you can buy with a strong tenancy profile whether that's private or social we think that's hot red hot you know rentals are growing at the fastest rate they have in history again because of a lack of supply you're buying in an area where there's a huge lack of supply. Um, so we're, we're doing quite a bit in that. We're picking up portfolios for land off landlords who do want to get out of the space. maybe they've been in it 20, 30 years. They've paid off a lot of the lending. Uh, you know they're sick of the increased legislation and tenant rights and they you know all landlords feel a bit battered and vilified at the minute. So a lot of those guys are getting out and we're picking up quite a bit of their stock. HMO market is going through the strongest period I've seen in 15 years in property uh, by a long, long way. And I think there's a few reasons for that. Um, I think the main one is that most HMOs are bills included and tenants are hearing a lot of the noise around utility costs and they just want to know what their monthly outgoings are. So we're even getting couples that might have considered taking a house going, oh, I don't want the uncertainty around bills going to stay in a hmo where it's all bills included so yeah in 15 years and we we peaked at 350 rooms and this is the hottest hmo market i've i've seen um Mm -hmm. since i got into property by a by a long long way actually so uh we're fully occupied high rents and going really well A lot of people are doing long-term social housing, affordable housing, uh, supported living contracts. And they're obviously great. They're very well-funded in most cases. And if you get the right strong lease, then they've got value. Um, Yeah, we're doing a bit of everything. We've got high-end stock going through. We're selling for £2 million plus houses. Generally, they're recession-proof because... People who have two million pounds available to buy a house generally are more savvy by nature and they see recessions as opportunities more than challenges and an opportunity to make money. You know, even in most opportunities, you will see the wealthy get wealthier because they don't panic. They, they you know, they maintain a positive state. They look for opportunity, not challenge, and all of these things. So, you know, wealth naturally grows of the wealthiest during recession. So we're pretty uh, confident in that market as well. So a bit of everything, really. Um, If I was to say, do I worry about any specific strategy? Big commercial, but that's been going that way for a a while. And by big commercial, I mean big retail, really, really. Town centre retail, three four thousand five thousand square foot. It's all moving away from that now, in my opinion. Um, and we've been, even for the last five years, we've been splitting them down into smaller retail units because there's been good demand there. There's obviously questions over pubs still, but that's been a growing question for the last 10, 15 years, probably, as long as I've been into property. So I think what I would say is the strategies that are struggling were the strategies that were probably struggling anyway. And Overhand, yeah, yeah. And what what happens with any challenge like this and a recession is it just it speeds up the things that were going to happen. So you know if things were going to fail, it makes their failure quicker in a lot of cases. Um and if things were going to succeed because of supply and demand, then it also speeds that up. So uh yeah I think most things um but big retail I think will struggle And then maybe mid-sized developments, you know, your 80, 90, 100K a year salary kind of guys. Because when businesses do restructures, when they look at cost savings, they basically look at how do they cut the big salaries um, and how do they employ internally. So they might have a guy who's on 50 grand they will give him a raise to 70 grand to take over the guy who's on 120 grand who they're going to make redundant. And that that happens often and obviously those typical guys will buy mid-sized uh, development homes and you know the the where we are up north that's probably five six seven hundred grand kind of housing um they might be a challenge uh, but everything else I just think's fairly the demand is still strong and I believe that once this all settles down once we get some clarity on rates and once the Bank of England settles itself down a little bit because they're stirring things up at the moment, um, which is ironically their job. People don't understand this about the Bank of England, but they have one agenda and one remit, and that's to control inflation. They have to get inflation down. That's their single remit pretty much to get inflation down to around about an arbitrary 2% target. And when... You can't do that through increasing productivity, which was the government's plan with the budget, increased productivity, and the markets hated it. The way the Bank of England have done it historically is to create a recession. (laughs) And everyone doesn't understand this whole process, but the way to end inflation, if you don't grow out of it with productivity, is with a recession. So banks are increasing rates and putting pressures on, Bank of England is increasing rate and putting pressures on to basically tighten people's purse strings to stop their spending, to stop inflation. So, you know, we're all moaning about inflation, we're all moaning everything's getting more expensive and we're all terrified of a recession. The only other option is productivity. And unfortunately, our public were pretty scared about being more productive as well. So it's probably going to go down the recession route.
0: Which is quite sad, wasn't it? I think you put it online, and I was of the same view. Like I thought, it was quite a good thing. I, you know, bat- betting on the country to, you know, to step up. I thought it was quite a positive move, and I was quite uh, looking forward to that as a business owner and having my fingers in a few different pies. I was thinking, this is good. This is good news. And then, literally the day after, it was like a shit storm just just came over, and it and it evolved into what it, it is became now. Which is quite mm. sad. I thought. Um, well, when they
1: when they did the budget, I literally, I watched it open mouth because, like you say, for us, it, it's phenomenal. We we will take those benefits, run with it. We believe in productivity. We're entrepreneurial definitely. by nature. We want to create opportunity. We want to create growth. But all of that's hard work. It's all hard work. So to tell Joe Blogs that he's got to do that is is a bit less attractive. So I, went, as soon as they did the budget, even before all of the reaction kicked off, I, I did a video on Instagram and basically said, that's the biggest political risk I've ever seen. I can't believe that budget. And everyone's going, what do you mean? What do you mean? And I was going, well, they're basically saying, we've tried recessions before and you all moaned. We tried austerity and nobody liked it. You know, we've struggled our way to bring inflation down in the past. Mm. Now, be more productive and that will bring inflation down. We will give you the opportunity and the market, the market's response was basically, we don't back the British population <laughs> to take that opportunity. And, you know, there's, there's obviously more variables, but when I stripped it down, that was my genuine thought, was that that was a budget of opportunity. And then it started to become things, and, you know, and then it went, I was really looking forward to this government because I thought that they were going to be ballsy. And, you know, the, the, I think my perspective was that they think they're not necessarily going to maintain power if they take us through a recession because they'll get blamed for the recession and then democracy means we'll change to labor and the same cycle will begin again with a different person and and away you go and that you know we've been going through this for decades and so i thought this was a good opportunity but you know now they've started to do u-turns and the markets like it and it's a bit more comfortable and you know they U turned on the the higher rate of tax uh, that they that they'd reduced or actually expelled. They'd done a U turn on that, um, and that was the smallest percentage of the whole budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the one that got most political attention, and that you know that says a lot about us as a democracy. That and media who uh, who also have an agenda. There's so many different agendas. Bank of England's agenda was recession. They've got the media on board. The media loves a recession because it gets a load of loads of eyes watching bad news. But then the government, on the other hand, weren't agreeing because they want the growth to to because they have tried the recession before and it didn't go too well. So yeah, that's the problem at the minute. It's too many people rowing their own ships in in different directions.
0: Yeah, it's a shame they don't have confidence in the in the British people to to to. You, but never mind. Our thoughts aren't going to change anything. Oh, no. But um, just just picking up on on a. A couple of things you said there. So you talked about the opportunities that uh, there's portfolios that you're looking at. I thought that was maybe an opportunity in terms of if there is landlords that are being hit from every every angle. There's also one that that, that some people aren't talking about. If they're sitting on SVR, if they're sitting on standard verbase, they're gonna get really yeah. squeezed, even more so. Um there's the lease options on those portfolios. I'm seeing HMOs the same as you, minor full. Um there's obviously, the challenges of the energy with the HMOs, but the demand seems to be great. Um, one question I have been asked it'd be interesting to see your view. Um, a lot of people are saying, Well, battleettes don't stack anymore. Well, for obvious reasons, the likes of London and things, but like you said, they were maybe they weren't maybe stacking that well before all this, anyway. Yeah. The, the lower yielding typically than up, up north. Um, if they don't stack anymore, what are people's options? Because we can't change rates. I mean, what would you generally say to that
1: yeah I mean listen the whole interest rate thing I find very very interesting because we have built a false understanding in the last seven eight nine years on where interest rates should actually be I you know over a period of 70 80 years if you look at things economically base rate has started to trend down and it's Historically, it was a 10% average trending up and down, up and below, and then it started to trend down to 5% as we headed into 2000s, up to 2009-10. And I think the new trend rate is going to be around a 2.5% mark, um, because ultimately it can't get too high in reality a it would bankrupt the government itself but the 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 proportion of the debt has increased and over the years that is what has made base rates start to trend down quite a bit um so six percent yields five six percent yield stuff where you were relying on a mortgage to buy it that was never going to work long term as a cash flow strategy it just wasn't as soon as any, you know, any movement in interest rates would effectively take most of your cash flow if you've got a five percent mortgage your six percent gross yield isn't going to cut it on a cash flow level so on those particular deals uh, i'd anticipate there's going to be more cash buyers uh that, that move into them i also anticipate rents are going to go up and, and continue to go up yeah. for a period of time and you know it, it, people, I think there's some governments that are afraid of that, and they're introducing rent caps, which have historically proven to be suicidal. Um, yeah, the yeah, island was carnage. Ireland is absolutely carnage on the back of the rent control zones that they introduced. They lost a load of landlords. The governments don't build enough stock themselves, so then they don't have enough rental property. They reverse the court and now rents are through the bloody roof because there's so much demand and uh, so little supply. So it's the worst thing they can do. Uh, Ultimately, housing supply is the answer to all problems. Um, And it'll be interesting to see how this government reacts to landlords. I think this government is probably one of the more positive towards landlords and capitalism that we've seen in recent years. they're talking about reversing some of the introductions. Um, there's some talk about reversal of section 24. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen because it's easy enough to buy in a company. Um, no fault eviction reversal. That's, that's been talked about stamp duty. We saw the, the the change there and how that benefited landlords. So I do think that there's going to be a a focus on introducing supply, but, us bringing more supply to the market effectively cools prices it cools rental prices because there's more choice um so again people have to be careful what they wish for <laughs> you know if we if, if everybody's worried about the property market correcting or there being a 5 10 percent correction but then everybody's also complaining they can't get enough deals or they can't do,
0: exactly can't, can't do
1: enough flips if you bring enough flips to the market or you start bringing a load of deals to the market by nature by very nature the market will correct or slow down i did it i saturated my own area in hmos we did that many rooms that quickly inside of an area that we ended up having to start to drop our own rents because we were competing with ourselves and that's you know if you expand that across the whole country that's what the supply and demand challenge would be um so yeah it's it's interesting times i do think uh I do think that there's big opportunity and potentially equal challenge in in equal measures. Um, But I do think that interest rates are getting a lot of attention at the minute. Um, But, you know, how long do they think interest rates are going to increase if we do go into a recession? Because historically, the natural reaction to a recession was to drop interest rates to encourage investment so again that's people's thinking is people think that there's going to be high interest rates for a massively long period and a really deep recession well actually those two things are a little bit at conflict with each other and historically haven't happened you've not had long-term high interest rates and a deep recession running side by side for a long long time um And it wouldn't happen for a long long period it might there might be some crossover but not much at all so that's you know that goes kind of going full circle aren't we going back to what people react that's the reaction of yeah yeah. high interest rates high inflation serious recession and go well actually some of those are opposing partners High inflation and a depression, that doesn't—that can't happen at the same time. <laughs> They're two different ends of the one spectrum, the effectively it's one or the other. You're not getting massively high inflation and a deep uh, depression. But you know, we, we've lived in this environment for the last two years where people have thought that an inflationary period is all right, it's better than a recessionary period. And actually both of them have positives and negatives. For us, it's been positive because our assets have grown in value, uh, you know, lending has been fairly cheap, uh, people have had money to spend, and that's been great for us. Uh, but on that side, we've had no real available stock to buy because everybody else has been in the same position, whereas a recessionary period, you know, we're not getting the best prices, but we've got a lot of availability of stock and um, good access to the market and various things like that. So. The pros and cons of of, of yeah. every economy, isn't there? And I think people don't see that, they only they see the bad side of each side of the equation. Um when you know opportunity and challenge are kind of equals and opposites to a degree.
0: Mm. Yeah, and, and you know, you say you've said this phrase online that I think it's really applicable right now. And It's a great way to show you know summarize it quickly. Is there's no bad time to buy, there's only the wrong way to buy at the wrong time or the wrong strategy for a particular time. Yeah. And I think that's a that that's exactly it. You know, you could be buying cash if you're in that position too. If rates are too high and the deal doesn't stack, you could buy cash, you could use angel finance, you could put a higher deposit down. Yeah. You know, th- there is other ways than just doing a 75% LTV product. Um lease options, yeah. th- there is other ways isn't it? um and it depends on and I'm sure you find this you know I'm not in the in the education space like you are, but I think people sometimes they want someone like yourself or me or whoever to tell them something that is going to solve all of the problems and give them the special recipe or the special ingredient to just to, to get to where they want to be when it's not it's not that simple, it's changing all the time look look like a month ago look look at the difference right now. And in months. a month's time or nine months time, look at the difference that it'll be then. And I think that's why you, I think your message is so powerful because it's just like calm and like settle down everybody. Like it is what None it is Been here before. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it's really, it is really calm. It's, it's informed, it's educated in it. It's what a lot of people need and Adams. It's a what It's what a lot of people need to hear is, is your message. Um, so thank you for sharing that because I, I think I really think it's great uh, online. Um, any predictions, Danny? I know you um you were getting called Mystic Dan and things like that <laughs> a, a year or so ago, a couple of years ago. What's your prediction for maybe's house prices, rent, and um strategies that are going to come into the and maybe's flourish in the in, in the next few years? What would you say on that?
1: Yeah, I mean it's a, it's an interesting one because so much of it depends on policy, um, a lot of what we kind of said and you know joking about Mystic Dan and all of that, I use Kermit yeah, yeah. the Frog from the <laughs> meme where yeah. Kermit the Frog's drinking his tea saying that's none of my business, that's my favourite thing in the world. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, a lot of it's been easier to do during COVID, and I was surprised by how little people were doing it. Um, And I guess a lot of that was the clouding of emotion um, Mm. and noise, a lot of the noise, I guess. It was easier to do because the policy decisions that you felt the the government and relevant people were going to take, were were fair. I thought they were fairly predictable. Um, Mm. I didn't think they did that much that was absolutely out of this world and astonishing. Um, The budget was a a big variable because it was probably the only thing that you've probably seen in the last few years where you've gone, Christ, that's very left field. Um, So it depends on what line they really carry on. I've said since COVID, my genuine thought, even when COVID hit, I thought we had about 20 to 25% worth of growth still in the market with a 5 to 10% correction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I've got to stand by that because I've said it. It looks like we're probably going to get to 30% growth. Um, but I still stand by my 5 to 10% correction. Uh, you know, it, all of the medias today is, you know, it's about growth slowing. And you go, well, slow growth is still growth. So the minute they're talking about growth year on year has gone from whatever it was, 11% to 9.8%. And you go right. Oh, the whole of that year, you were telling me a crash was going to happen, and now you're yeah. saying, oh, it's, you know, it's it's only it was eleven percent from whatever it was June to June, but now it's only nine point eight percent from August to August. And you go, well, mm. all right. Well, that's that's still growth. So you need yeah, to start coming back to me when that growth is seven percent, five percent, four percent, three, and then when it goes into the minus. So I still think we've got a bit of a lead time. Before yeah. that correction comes, and I, you know, I think middle of next year probably before we start to see any kind of negative minus figures in the market on a year-on-year basis. Um, but yeah, it's been you know people have made numbers say what they've wanted to say, haven't they? Really, but that yeah. you know that's been my feeling. Twenty-five percent to, to four, five to ten was my original prediction. It now looks like thirty percent area area depending. Um, <clears throat> Rentals is the single biggest challenge, and you know I'm probably contrary to everybody out there, in my belief that the biggest housing crisis we have in the UK is in the private rental market. It's the only market that's declined. We've lost over a quarter of a million houses from the private rental market in the last five years. Demand is massively increasing. And nobody's providing supply you know landlords are exiting the market being vilified they're concerned about taxation um you know in, in our industry as property investors in the seminar and education world and all of that space you think everybody's a property investor but that's just because everybody follows everybody <laughs> when you actually yeah. look at the the industry as a whole it's actually a declining industry and one with massively increasing demand and and when you look at it like that, and then it's one that's getting politicized a lot with Scotland talking about rent caps and Ireland had their rent caps and you go, this is a real problem because unless the government are going to replace that housing, we have got, or we will have the fastest rate of rental growth we'll ever have seen in history. I strongly believe that. And there's some chat that we're getting to that point now, I think we're 13% up year on year. But that, you know, that isn't greedy landlord. That is challenging policy that makes it difficult to supply the amount of housing that's actually needed. And because policies are so politicized by the government to put out an agenda, when you put out the actual figures, rentals, private rental market is a massive, massive, massive issue, which will see rents outstrip growth of house prices, I think, for a a long, long time, unless it's resolved very quickly. So, rents 10% a year I'd be surprised if if we're not increasing by that level Um, and then you've got to look at how much does that offset your bill increases I've talked about my HMO demand my bill increases utility bill increases have largely been offset by rental increases because Mm -hmm. the demand's through the roof and you know couples want to move in paying a couple's premium or whatever it may be Uh, and then how much is that going to offset interest rate increases as well so yeah, I think private rentals, the, the hottest market and is something we're focusing on. We've kind of gone full circle to uh, back to buying basic buy-to-let stock, very simple stuff, high demand, low cost, under a hundred grand, ideally purchase prices, um, picking up portfolios from three to four to 25 um, is the biggest we've got going through at the minute uh from landlords who've just had enough <laughs> and we're happy to we're happy to take over and get battered with a stick basically so
0: yeah no sounds good man it sounds good and again i think that's really good to hear it's really reassuring for some people certainly there are a lot of people have already got properties you know it's not just about you know you're not just going to get squeezed there are some positives in terms of your cash flow because if the rents are going up it's such a rate and you maybe have to drop on SVR or your, your fixed rate is coming to an end, yes, you're going to be paying more in interest, but if you're getting more in rent, you might just be the same off as what you are now. You might just have to ride the storm for a couple of years.
1: Yeah. Because probably I mean, it's you, not you, a
0: short-term play either. Surely it shouldn't be.
1: No, you. I mean, you hit the nail on the head earlier when you were saying about, like, different ways that you can do things. What I've seen is whenever there's a challenging period, and it's very sad, but it's very, very real... It's those that lack knowledge and experience or the right people to lean on who really struggle. And, you know, whether that's because they panic or they just don't have the knowledge on what are their other options? You know, where else can they go for lending? Do I really need to make that decision short term? Should I really be paying that cost? You know, what do I need to do with my tenant in this situation? My bank's come to me and give me this problem. And and if you don't have a bank of knowledge or a bank of experience to lean on, um that that's the challenging period and I've been quite fortunate in that I've surrounded myself with people who've had incredible success in property over 30 40 years and you know when when some of the early stages when I was a few years and I'd speak to them and I'd say the same thing where they'd go I'd, I'd be like well what was 2007 like but it was hell but it was the end of the world da, da, da. and they were like well you know they could barely remember it they were going yeah you know it was it's a challenging period for a bit but my rents went up and i did this and i spoke to this bank and i you know i lent on this guy and he lent me some money and i did this array and you go and then they, like in 18 months two years you're pretty much through it and i'm like right okay interesting so that's
0: where that's when your network is also you know what you're creating with prosperity that's where your network will come into its own because you yeah. can lean on someone who's either more experienced or has got a contact or has been there before or you know someone who's doing something and you connect you that's what I think I said to Adam as well like your, your network in times like this really comes into its own it's, it's so valuable by even if it's just someone who calms you down and, and yeah. stops you making a rush decision because you're panicking or brings an idea at the table, or a different way of thinking, um, which will, like you say, say, get get you through it.
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, mean, it's not even a a plug for us. Adam does a very similar vibe to a lot of what we do, and they're they're great as well, from what I can see. It's just being around people who are actually going Mm -hmm. through the same thing, or who have historically have had those experience. Maybe say, have you tried this, this, and this? because it's the amateurs, amateurs, and it's so sad, but they struggle on their own. They panic when it goes wrong. They view one deal not working as being terminal and the end of them as a property investor. You know, I always say one deal isn't the end. Like, I would take one deal absolutely failing and maybe losing me a shitload of money to then have the opportunity to buy a bigger volume in the greatest opportunity, buying opportunity in recent yeah, Definitely. You know, the, the, there's there's perspectives and relativity mm. to everything, but people just go straight away for that end of world panic, and and that's why, unfortunately, during times of correction, it's amateurs and it's residential buyers usually, that are the ones that get caught. They bought yeah. the wrong way at the top of the market. They don't know what to do when there's a correction. They panic when interest rates change. Mm. They don't know how to raise money short term, long term. get them through i I did a video about it on on insta and i was saying one dimensional approaches are very very challenging in this Mm -hmm. market if you only know one way to buy one way to finance one way to exit um you know one way to deal with a bad tenant if you only know these one options and you you haven't got a bank of knowledge or experience it's that that could cost you um times a challenge and i've been very fortunate to surround myself not luckily because i i I very quickly learned that if i'm going to be in this for 20 years i want to learn from people who've been in it for 30 years Mm -hmm. um but i did that very quickly and got around some of the right people which is another one because i said Mm -hmm. earlier people birds of a feather flock together if you're panicking don't surround yourself with panickers you'll send you'll all send each other under and that's you know that's what social media has become to a little bit i see on some of these yeah. facebook groups 40 percent crash is going to happen what you're going to do and then everyone jumps under it it's the great reset we're all fucked and then you go, fuck me i'm pretty non-emotional and logical and reading that's nearly sent me under yeah. um you know, so you just got to be careful about who and what you're taking advice from, what their motive is, what their agenda is, you know, people selling, watch the people that are selling on the back of of this, because it drives me wild. I think it's a bit opportunistic and a bit crass, really. Um, and then watch people who actually want you to be panicked with them. <laughs> yeah. it's- when COVID hit that was everyone we've seen that during COVID it was oh my god everyone's gonna die you're gonna die you're gonna die you stay at home home." (laughs) and that's what the property market's been for the last couple of weeks a little bit
0: yeah no um couldn't agree more Danny it's it's a great thing that you're doing great message great community as well if anybody wants to reach out if anyone wants to follow you or get involved what's the best way for them to to
1: do that Just just message me, Danny Inman Property on everything. You can be one of my eight thousand notifications a day that I try and get to uh, as many as I humanely can. I very rarely miss them. I'm I'm pretty good, much to my wife's dismay, answering uh, instant messages at <laughs> three, three in the morning. But um, yeah, that's that's life. And then we'll we'll point you the right direction if it's just advice, or, or you know, you want to get involved with prosperity, or you've got a specific circumstance we might be able to help with, then always happy to try and do what we can
0: great now danny thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your opinion today and have a good rest of your day Thanks, How's you, buddy? hi everyone just before you go i'd really appreciate it if you could pop onto apple Podcasts and leave us a review the more reviews we get the more attention the podcast gets And then it enables me to get even better guests and give even more inspiration and even more motivation to you guys. So I'd really appreciate it if you popped onto Apple Podcasts, left us a review, shared the podcast with your friends and family, and plenty on social media to try and grow the podcast, which enables me to inspire you guys even more. Thank you so much. I'm really, really grateful. I really appreciate it and have a fantastic day.